0: Welcome to Did It All for the Moogle, a very serious podcast, episode one. Thank you for joining me on this, whatever the hell this is going to end up being. Uh, I'm Bill. I'll be your co-host for uh, a very interesting examination of JRPGs, uh, sometimes anime, and of course, all the latest and greatest in Limp Biscuit news. Uh, You might be wondering (laughs) why the show even exists, and I ask myself that every single time. I spun it off of a another podcast that uh, nobody also listens to. And you might be wondering why I would spin off a podcast that nobody listens to into another one that nobody's going to listen to. Um, it's a lot of boredom and also a, a side of perfectionism. So it, it's a spinoff of my main show, The Dead and Road Show, And this segment, Did It All for the Moogle, became increasingly out of place, which is odd to say about a show that um, sort of is about whatever the hell I want it to be. But it it became increasingly out of place, and so I decided it would be best for it to be its own show. And so here we are now. This show is going to be an examination of the GRP genre. Uh, It will not necessarily be a news show, although I will talk about some news topics as it becomes relevant, but I would like it to be more uh, evergreen. Uh, I'd like to talk about the things that I personally care about, and so whenever that is something that is newsworthy then I will you know bring it up but it, it I will only talk about something if I feel that the discussion around it will be conducive to an interesting discussion if that makes sense rather than just becoming a a press release sort of regurgitation sort of thing and that's sort of my stance on uh, podcasting and analysis in general so like for example uh later in the show i want to be talking about uh final fantasy 14's most recent fan fest announcements and i'm not just going to go bullet point talking about the fan fest announcements i want to talk about the broader discussion around those announcements and what that sort of means for the direction that the game is going in uh, and so i think that's much more it's more interesting for me to talk about and i hope it's more interesting to listen to rather than just sort of saying hey, new shit, go buy, shiny, shiny. And so a little bit about me and my stance on JRPGs. Um, I came to the genre fairly late, although looking back, I now realize that a lot of the games that I played as a kid were molded after JRPGs. I just didn't know what that was or what the genre was because they were like really bad licensed games that were, you know, turn-based Like, I remember playing uh, Lord of the Rings, the third age for PS2, which was literally a knockoff of Final Fantasy 10. But I didn't know that at the time because I was like nine years old. So I had no idea that all these super cool mechanics and, you know, buffs and debuffs that I was applying to the Eye of Sauron in the final battle were, you know, just copy and pasted from Final Fantasy 10. I had no idea. You know, I I didn't play Final Fantasy X until I was like 19. So but what got me into the genre was uh, Persona 4 back in 2012, because I was one of uh, 14 people that bought a PlayStation Vita. And so that was the best game on that console. And so I bought it and tried it and I fell in love with it. Uh, it's what got me into JRPGs. Uh, it's what got me into anime. For me, that's what got me into atlas games in particular and smt and so at the very top like smt is like the pinnacle of jrpg design mechanics wise uh thematics story basically everything is what i like compare everything against any other game it's like well does this feel as good as smt combat and my sort of barometer for that is is that SMT is so good because anything that you can do to the enemy, they can do back to you. The same exact attacks, the same exact debuffs, the same exact weaknesses that you uh, can inflict on the enemy, they can in turn inflict on you. The same exact uh, press turns, so you inflict a weakness and they get an additional turn. It's it's the same you know maneuvers. Uh, and I just think that's great. Just that, that even playing feel, that, that chess-like feel to the combat is like, it, it's incomparable. And so sometimes I feel like I have high standards and I'm unfair to a lot of other games, particularly because <laughs> the combat systems are not as good as SMT in my eyes. And so another thing is that uh, I gravitate more towards turn-based games than Uh, action combat games which is not to say that i don't like some action combat games i do uh but i do prefer turn-based most of the time it's it's just like uh i've i've just been indoctrinated by smt and it's (laughs) it's it's hard to pull out of that and so you'll see me talk a lot about smt a lot and if you're also a fan then this is this is going to be the show for you Uh, another thing about my sort of, uh, approach to these kinds of games and anime in general is that I don't really enjoy talking about the same kind of things that I see in a lot of other, uh, I guess more common discussions of these games and anime, especially anime. Um, and this isn't to say like, I'm not like other girls kind of thing, you know, but I guess maybe it's just because I'm like really, really old at this point. But like the waifus and the fan service and like all that kind of shit. I, <laughs> it doesn't do anything for me. Like it, it's, you know, these are these are cartoon drawings, right? You know, um, like especially Persona, like where when Persona 5 came out and introduced, especially Royal brought in this whole new audience and then jokers in uh smash brothers and now a whole new audience is exposed to it and it was a lot of people's first persona game and you know everybody's favorite streamer played it and you know it was the it was the biggest jrpg you know since probably final fantasy 7 right everybody played it um especially a lot of younger people um I, like I, I don't really like discussions about waifus and best girl and like all that kind of shit like if you're if you're enjoying yourself fine go have fun but these are high school students i'm a 30 year old man uh (laughs) it the older i get the creepier it becomes and so uh even when i was closer in age to the the casts of these games i still felt very weird about it Uh, And so you will not find uh, that kind of discussion on this podcast. Um, So maybe that that is a relief to you, or maybe that is a a detriment, but uh, I want to make that abundantly abundantly clear. Uh, I am much more interested in discussing the the themes of games, uh, how well a narrative is constructed, how well the narrative ties into the mechanics of a game, which is again a reason I think that SMT and the Persona games, uh, are sort of like top tier for me is because they marry the mechanics of a specific game in particular and the narrative incredibly well to go along with, you know, UI design, uh, art, how, how the game is one complete package. Um, and that's, that's what gets me excited. That's what, you know, I enjoy talking about, um, and so I, I really think that this is the perfect time for this show because this year is going to be incredible for JRPGs. Uh, just this <laughs> just this coming month uh, alone in a few days, it's going to be the release of the Persona 3 Reload remake of Persona 3, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, then next month is Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth uh, later at some point this year, I don't remember the date. If we have a specific date yet, uh, we have Refantasio, whatever the hell that Atlas game is called, from like basically the old Persona Studio. Uh, there, there's just a lot coming out this year specifically. Uh, but I also like playing a lot of older games uh, and games that I've missed because, like I said, I'm I, I I call myself newer to the genre. I would not call myself an expert. Uh, Just because I came to it later in life, like my very late teens and 20s. So um, I do like playing lots of older games and especially like the catalog of old SMT games, which I've played most of at this point, except for the ones that are not like don't have translations or anything like that. And so I have an incredible backlog of of JRPGs. And I usually try to have one going at the same time, like one one RPG going at the same time. And uh, But whenever I don't, sometimes I have a really bad like indecision crisis. And so a, a segment I had on uh, the other podcast was the uh, JRPG Roulette. And so I would just put all the games that I was considering playing in a big old wheel, take a spin, and whatever it landed on, I would have to play it and come back and uh, give some impressions. And so whenever... There's not maybe a new game that I'm playing. I'll, I'll, I'll do that as well, just because I can't make decisions sometimes. <laughs> it's really bad. And so we'll do that. We'll have some discussions. And so I would like to, this to be sort of like a, uh, a book club kind of thing, where if um, anybody else is playing the same kinds of games, uh, you know, and you're interested in some critical analysis of them uh, to uh, get involved in some discussions uh, along with the show. Um, And if a lot of this does seem like very insular and specific and kind of weird, that's mostly because uh, my interests are very insular and specific and weird. So I do apologize. But that's just kind of that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So um, but it should be fun. I have a lot of fun segments planned. Um, And I think that's I think that's enough for an introduction to what the show is going to be. Uh, The other thing is, is that so since the genre like the games are massive and take lots of hours to not even necessarily complete but just to get a good sense of a lot of the time which is a double-edged sword because it's what I like about them but to have a podcast devoted to them it means that it'll take me a while to sink my teeth into individual games in order to talk about them Um, I'm aiming tentatively right now to have at least one episode a month which I think is doable Whenever there are times where like just this week, there's going to be a brand new mainline Persona game coming out, I'm going to be playing the shit out of it, right? But whenever there's leaner times where I'm not really feeling something and, you know, I can't really get into a game at the moment, it it might be tougher for me to, you know, speak eloquently about a game that I'm not really invested in. And so we'll see what happens uh, in that sort of instance when... It arises, but the goal right now is one a month and uh, to keep that going back and forth between uh, episodes of Did It All for the Moogle and my uh, main podcast, The Dead and Road Show. And if you'd like the sort of approach that I'm making here towards uh, these games and occasionally anime, whenever I feel like I've watched something that I have something to say about a specific anime, then check out that show as well, where we talk a lot about how the internet is just seems like it's dying all around us uh, we get into other uh, media analysis sometimes movies tv uh, books but also just like weird internet phenomena uh, conspiracies cults whenever it arises um, basically whatever else i'm obsessed with that isn't japanese media will be over on that show so uh, please check it out if you enjoyed any little bit of this Uh, Let's get into the more, you know, meat and potatoes of of why this has come to be. And so um, I mentioned Final Fantasy XIV. So let's do our Final Fantasy XIV segment, uh, XIV Reasons Why. Such devastation. This was not my intention. So a few weeks ago, uh, the final fan fest for Final Fantasy XIV took place in Japan. And we got the very last little major tidbits of what we're going to get for the upcoming expansion on trail. Uh, We'll get more granular stuff as we get closer to the release, like some information about uh, like specific battle system changes and a couple other things like they're changing a couple jobs. Uh, They're, they're, they're reworking Astrologian and Dragoon specifically Oh, I should say, I should give my background. I forgot I was, (laughs) I forgot this is a different podcast. Uh, My background with Final Fantasy XIV, I've played since 2017. Uh, So that's like, I think that's mid Stormblood. Yeah, I was like mid Stormblood. I've played, I've played since then. Uh, And basically since, since the end of Stormblood, I've basically been subscribed the entire, that, that like entire duration I've I've done savage raids. Uh, I skipped the last two tiers of savage rating because my static got completely burned out on Raiding in the game. Uh, soured on Endwalker pretty hard. Uh, in general, just mostly because of the lack of like repeatable content. Um, if you're curious about my thoughts on like some of the main issues I have with uh, the current state of Final Fantasy XIV, which I will be doing a lot of on this show as it arises but i did an hour-long sort of uh structured rant uh, about final fantasy 14's problems as of i don't know six months ago which are still sadly relevant uh over on the dead and road show and you can find that um it's it was called like the the great final fantasy 14 rant or something like that um but anyway Uh, So so this is these are the last sort of like main main like big, big sort of headline announcements we're going to get until the expansion is out. Right. Uh, And and so one of them being the fact that they wouldn't give us a release date for the expansion. And so normally they do things in such a, a predictable way. It's like so this was the Japan Fan Fest. This is the one that always has the release date. We didn't get one this time. We only got a release window of summer and some people are upset about that. Some people are like, okay, that's fine. And it's a little off, but their reasoning being is because Endwalker was delayed and that was such a big deal to them. They had never needed to delay something before Uh, the games uh, director and executive producer cried on live stream because of it. Uh, so they just really don't want a repeat of that again and so they just didn't give a release date but they said that it's on track and so and they even said that it's going to be not on Square Enix's definition of summer which could technically be like into a, a normal humans version of the fall right and they said it's going to be on Final Fantasy 14's version of summer which is supposedly also a rational person's version of summer. Um what that means to me personally is that we're not seeing that thing until August. You know? Uh, I really doubt we're going to get a nice early summer release for Dawn Trail. But it's neither here nor there. It's gonna come out when it's gonna come out, you know, like there's not much any player can do about it. It's it's you know, uh it's it's just uh an issue of there being nothing to do in the game for like it, it'll be like 10 months really it's like it's like an excruciatingly long time like in total uh so like the last major patch hit it was the other week or two weeks ago and that just had the last little story bits that are teasing dawn trail and uh the trial that was uh sort of the showcase at FanFest and the last relic step which is just in this instance a few more quests and then that's sort of that's sort of it until the expansion like that's that's it and that's rough that's rough because we're getting the same technically the same amount of content like if you break it down numerically that we that we always did if you look at Shadowbringers, if you look at Stormblood. Technically, Stormblood had more, but again, that's not really the point. They pushed their patch cycle to be from uh in between patches, it being I think four weeks to six weeks, something along those lines. Anyway, they, they increased it by about two weeks. The, the the number doesn't necessarily matter. So the time in between patches was longer, it felt much longer mostly because of the content that we were getting, uh, was not, it didn't feel substantial. It was sort of like you log in, you do that thing for maybe an hour, two hours, (laughs) and then you log out. And then that would be it for months at a time. And that was sort of the cadence of the expansion. Unless you were a super, super, super hardcore raider, like not even talking savage. If you were an ultimate raider, if you did the like the hardcore criterion dungeons and you were eating good, but that's, that's a, that's a small minority. It's bigger than people think, but it's still a small minority. Other than that, there was sort of nothing for you to do. And so now we're at the end of that cycle. We're teasing the next expansion, but now the wait for that is a brutal eight to 10 months ish, you know, like that's, that's rough. That's a, that's a rough time frame. But people sort of misunderstand their reasoning for doing this. It's not necessarily the reason. Like they're the development team's working on the expansion, right? They're working on the expansion, and then they're also working on that that first those first patches of content. You know, Square Enix as a company, what do they have coming out next month? They have their biggest game release of the last four years. They have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is completely overshadowing even final fantasy 16 which was a number a new numbered mainline final fantasy just because this is final fantasy 7 and it looks incredible right so it's completely overshadowing so in square enix is like the the corporate side does not see this as a content drought they see this as well now people can play final fantasy 7 rebirth instead of final fantasy 14 but the final fantasy 14 player base while a lot of them are also people that are just Final Fantasy players or just, you know, RPG gamers in, in general, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are people that only play uh, MMOs. A lot of them are people, and I, I I know these people, these are people that are in my FC, these are, you know, people that I see online. A lot of them only play final fantasy 14 and maybe some other games too but like they they only play like online games and their main one is final fantasy 14 they're not going to play final fantasy 7 rebirth and that's fine it's going to that game's going to be fine that game's (laughs) going to be okay but so for them this cadence sucks it sucks these these people are scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to find things to do in final fantasy 14 like trying to do blue mage trying to get fishing achievements, it's dire out there for them. It's dire, you know? Anyway, I'm a little off track, but this is this is sort of the situation of Final Fantasy XIV right now. And so these are the last tidbits we're going to get until summer. And we didn't get a release date. So some people are upset about that. I can see why, but at the same time, it's going to come out when it's going to come out. What What is knowing that it's going to be August 25th? Or whatever really gonna change i guess you could plan your uh, pto already but like other than that like what do you what are you gonna do it's gonna come out when it's gonna come out uh other than that the major the, the major headliner was the new the other new job was announced as pictomancer and i was genuinely surprised by the odd reception that this got so pictomancer it's a job that uh It paints, uh, and it's from Final Fantasy VI. And in Final Fantasy VI, it would paint its enemies in order to dole out attacks and status debuffs and whatever else. Uh, Here, it obviously can't paint every single enemy that it encounters, so it has a more generalized sort of set of utilities. And we don't know really a whole lot about it, other than the fact that uh, we know it has at least one buff ability (laughs) that's sort of it and oh and then it doesn't have a res so this is coming off the heels of an expansion where again there were issues with the role that this job is being released into so it's being released into the magical range dps role that's what that's what square calls it officially uh it's more known in the community as the caster role it's coming off an expansion of where the summoner job which is also in that role was completely reworked into something totally different and where summoner is a magical ranged dps but it now has very few actual casting abilities where you have to sit there like stay planted and a cast bar fills up and you can't move. Otherwise, it'll interrupt your cast. I know that's a very basic thing, but I'm just for anybody that doesn't play Final Fantasy 14. So that job was changed completely. It was uh, basically scaled back until like almost nothing. It has very few abilities and sort of those abilities replace each other in its different phases. And you're kind of just pressing the same four buttons over and over again. It's very simplified from what it was previously, where it was a very complicated cast heavy job. And now it doesn't have any cast. It has a lot of instant cast abilities where you just hit a button and it does it immediately and you can move like you have freedom of movement. So they said for Pictomancer that uh, painting, they said something like painting takes time. And so it does have casts, but then it also has some instant cast abilities. This tells us absolutely nothing about the job. It tells us absolutely nothing. Because even Black Mage, which is the job that's supposed to have these very long, powerful casts, also has, at this point, lots of instant cast abilities. Uh, Same for Red Mage. Red Mage is the other magical range DPS that has casting abilities that people refer to it as a caster. It might, at this point, have less instant casts than Black Mage does, but it still has ways to use instant casts. Specifically it has dual cast it has uh, the roll action swift cast it has acceleration like all all the job like every job in this role has instant cast abilities it like so 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 saying this tells us nothing about the job nothing at all the fact that it doesn't have a res though so now we're seeing a dichotomy form so two out of the four magical range dps have a res ability so healers have a res and two of these casters have a res. Red Mage and Summoner. Summoner has a res on a 60 second cooldown. No, I'm sorry. On a, um, on a very long cast timer. It's on a, a like a seven or eight second cast timer. But you could use Swift cast on it to cast it instantly. Otherwise, you're standing there for a very long time to try to resurrect somebody. Red Mage is also known as res mage because it has dual cast which means every second cast it it uh, produces is instant so you can cast a spell then you can cast res that res will be instant so it can just basically rapid res lots of people only limited by how much mp it has black mage does not have a res it's damage it has no buffs it's, what, it's what's referred to in the community as a selfish DPS because it only personally doles out damage. It does not give anybody buffs. It does not have a res. It is strictly focused on damage. So now we have Pictomancer. No res, but it has some kind of buff. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we know a little bit about the job. Now we know a little bit about the job. So where does it fit in to this role? Is it going to be more support like Red Mage where Red Mage has rapid fire reses it has magic barrier which is a party mitigation tool it has a it has a weak ish heal that can be situationally helpful uh very rarely you're in you're in trouble if you're casting Vercure a lot it's more useful to use it to proc dual cast honestly then you have summoner which is more damage focused it also has a it has a weak buff it has a weak damage buff it has a res, but it cannot rapidly res like Red Mage. It can only really get off one rapid res, and then it has to stand there forever. So you're not getting them out quickly if something really goes wrong in your party. So where does Pictomancer fit in? It's it, At this point, it's really just speculation. A lot of people seem to think that it's going to be like the dancer of the caster role, which I think is more along the lines of people just seeing it look like a very um, feminine looking job to start. And Dancer is a, a very uh, a feminine job in presentation. But then also them just saying, well, it has a buff. And hey, Dancer is the buff job in the uh, physical range role. So these have to be the same. Sort of ignoring that Bard is the also buffs the entire party, like sort of more than Dancer does when you think about it. Dancer is more focused on buffing one singular person and then buffing the whole party like once. So if you were saying that it, this is the buff one, you would kind of think Bard more than more than Dancer. So I think it's more that the job looked more feminine, right? Like it's got these, uh, you know, colorful effects. The 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 job outfit was, I think it was pink. I can't remember. You know, uh, like it's someone's a Moogle. Like, uh, the, they brought out a model and, you know, the model was showing her midriff. Like, it, it was a very feminine presented job, which is fine. Honestly, most of the jobs in Final Fantasy are sort of feminine in that way. It's, it's why a lot of people play as a, a, a girl character. But a lot of people were saying that, like, oh, this job just looks, it looks stupid. It looks like it's, it's going to be terrible. It's like, we have, we have no way of knowing that it's going to be terrible. First of all, they always make the new jobs a little a little too strong. Endwalker Sage was like the best healer, basically. Unless you were super good at Scholar. And Reaper was very good. They had to buff all the other melees to get to Reaper's level. And Shadowbringer's Gunbreaker, they just kept giving it buffs even though it was the best tank. The answer was the best physical range and Shadowbringers. So I don't understand why pictomancer is going to be bad suddenly so it it just comes down to like this weird dichotomy of not having a res because people are like well why would you bring why would you bring a pictomancer when it doesn't have a res and it's like well why do you bring a black mage you bring a black mage because it has damage and so then it becomes well why would you bring a pictomancer over a black mage because black mage is always going to be the top damage it's like yeah sure But not everybody can play Black Mage. Black Mage is a very demanding job. I guarantee you Pictomancer is going to be easier than Black Mage. Guarantee you. Especially with the current design trends of the jobs in this game. The way that Black Mage has kept its difficulty. It's like the only job that's kept its difficulty. I guarantee you Pictomancer is going to be easier. So that's why. And because it's a new job. It'll be stronger because it's got the new job buff. They might as well give it a little status icon in-game. That says new job, 2% boost to all stats. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it, it's just a very, very odd reaction to it. I'm sort of in the opposite camp. And again, I, I, I genuinely don't try to be a contrarian because I am, uh, I, well, I was a healer main, but I'm the healers, healer balance is so, healer design mostly is so screwed up that I I can't do it anymore. And so my backup was always caster. And the caster balance was so screwed up that I found myself not playing the game in Endwalker (laughs) because of what they did to the casters. That's what has me worried, though, is the caster balance. I'm worried that they're going to screw up again and just make casters as a whole just so useless. Not just Pictomancer, just casters in general be useless again like they did in Endwalker. That's my concern, especially because there's a new melee job. The other job's a melee and I feel like that's going to be broken as shit because melees are already broken as shit. That's my concern. But so yeah so like I'm on the opposite camp where I'm this job got me more excited mostly because it looks different. The issue with Final Fantasy 14 right now is that every job plays exactly the same. Cross roll. Cross roll they all play the same. Hit your buffs at two minutes you have a button that fills up your gauge. Spend that gauge two minutes. That's it. This one could could play exactly the same. It could, but it looks different. It's got a a, a a different aesthetic to it. The squishy paint sounds are a little much. I think they'll tone that down. But yeah, it's it's a it's a unique looking job. It's not just sort of just like blasting magic, you know. That on its own is is worthwhile to have in my eyes especially compared to how fucking boring the other job looks, Viper, which is just Ninja with extra steps or less steps, depending on how you look at it. It looks boring as hell to me. So that was really the main the main thing I wanted to talk about because I was genuinely surprised at the reaction. I saw the job and I was like, oh yeah, cool. I bet people are excited for this. And I saw a lot of the discussion was just oh, this job is, is too goofy. It's aesthetic doesn't fit the game. I'm like, what game are you playing where this doesn't fit? What are you talking about? It's someone's a Moogle. It's painting shiny things and then doing elemental damage. What, what game are you playing? Uh, And I've, I've mentioned how I've sort of like, you know, I have this love hate with this game at this point, especially because of Endwalker. And uh, it's, it, it is hard to get excited about like, sort of like You know, the dungeons and the areas that they show off, mostly because you'll be in those areas so infrequently, like you'll just do the main scenario in those areas like once and then you won't really go out there again, you know, but it was genuinely surprising to see the aesthetic of some of the areas because it's like, oh, you know, we're going to the new world. Everybody kept saying this is the beach episode, right? But then to see like these super high tech ripped from cyberpunk kind of thing. It's like, oh, OK, maybe I will actually, you know, be interested again. Whereas before I was sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this game's for me anymore, <laughs> which I'm you know, I still have in the back of my head. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But then they showed off the key art for the raid series. And I'm like, OK, all right. I mean, none of this fixes the the core issues I have with the game, but it's like, OK, yeah. All right. Let's see where you're cooking. Let's see where you're cooking. So, uh, yeah, I mean, unless something drastic gets announced, which is not going to happen, or there's some kind of uh, large community controversy that I, like to, <laughs> that I like to discuss if it interests me, like uh, the billboard thing or whatever else, um, there won't be much to say in, in Final Fantasy XIV for, for a good while just because of this content drought. And it's an expected drought. It's not surprising like it sort of was uh, during Shatterbringers with COVID. That was like more passable because it was during COVID patch got delayed. They had to convert to work to home, work from home, you know. And at the same time, we had repeatable content to do in the meantime. So it didn't feel as bad. It really didn't. It's weird to say it really didn't. Um, I didn't have a separate segment for this, but uh, I, did, I did want to mention uh, that I was prepping for uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth to come out uh, by watching uh, Advent Children for the first time because I hadn't seen it, uh, even though that's technically a, a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. But with the way that they're sort of bringing in all the disparate Final Fantasy VII media, I was like, you know, let me, let me just watch Advent Children, you know. Let me see what's going on in there. It is the most 2006 thing of all time. It is. It's completely incomprehensible unless you've you've played Final Fantasy VII. You don't know what the fuck is going on. And even then, even then, it's a little. The plot sort of. Um, it's a little. <laughs> it's a little all over the place. Like, but thematically, I think it is there. But it is so 2006. Where just like all the cast is just like talking on cell phones, but but they make it work mostly because the cell phones are relevant to the theme of, of like, you know, no man is an island and like needing to be connected to the people around you and the world itself. And but they they use the metaphor of the then emergent technology of everybody getting a cell phone in 2006 to do that it's like man it feels like a relic but like I can see what they were doing it just looks kind of quaint looking at it 20 years later uh and then the end credits hit and then the theme song is a Gerard Way (laughs) is a Gerard Way (laughs) song (laughs) like yeah this is this is Straight up, ripped from 2006, huh? At the height of Black Parade, you got Gerard Way to do your uh, <laughs> to do your theme song, <laughs> which was very good, by the way. It was much better than anything off of Danger Days. I will say that. Yeah, it it was it was hard to follow the plot. I couldn't tell like if they were fighting Bahamut or some other summon because Yuffie says that that was her materia, and I'm like, why would Yuffie have a Bahamut materia? But then it kind of didn't look like Bahamut. But then it like also did like a mega flare. So I was like, oh, I guess that is one of the Bahamut's. They never said what it was, and so I didn't know. So yeah, I think I think the story a little goofy. I think the character work was pretty good. Like I I like I like this cloud that's still sort of damaged from the events of Final Fantasy VII, but he's not still like completely brooding about it. And I think it sticks to the original Final Fantasy VII version of Zack. More than the goofy Sonic the Hedgehog uh, crisis core version of Zack, which I'm not a fan of. But I think we won't have a choice in that matter (laughs) when it comes to Rebirth. But (laughs) oh, well, what can you do? It also looks very good for a a 2006 movie. I mean, I think I I watched the director's cut, which might have been 2009. But even so, it looks pretty good. For CG from that era. But yeah, um, I did, I I completely, I broke my brain and I thought that uh, Rebirth was coming out uh, on the 29th of January. So I was like, oh shit, why would Atlas do this? Why would Atlas release Persona 3 like a few days after Rebirth? Like they must be either really confident in their game or super unconfident in Persona 3 and I'm like they can't be, they can't be, this is like basically a new mainline Persona game they can't be, like sending it off to die and then last night I realized I'm like oh my god I'm a fucking idiot Rebirth comes out next month it's still too close for me because that's just a month to play Persona 3 and I'm not gonna finish I know I'm not, but still that makes it a lot easier for me <laughs> cause I was like how am I gonna play both of these simultaneously Ah. Uh, but speaking of Persona 3 Reload, let's go to the SMT Power Hour. Behold my demon! That's a little too loud. I'm going to have to fix that in post. But So I've been prepping for Persona 3 Reload, which as of recording comes out in either three or four days, depending on when the Steam Unlock happens. So yeah, I've been prepping for that by doing the only thing I know how to do, and that is trying to cram in all of the Persona 3 portable achievements under the wire, just at, just at the last minute. And this is a thing that I keep doing, and I don't know why I keep doing it. So whenever Persona 5 was originally first releasing, I was like, ooh, let me get ready by platinuming uh, Persona 4 Golden on the Vita before it comes out. And I bit off more than I can chew. I started too late. And whenever Persona 5 released, I was simultaneously playing Persona 5 and finishing up Persona 4 Golden like that, that month. (laughs) I don't know why. I was just like, oh, okay, well, I didn't do it. So then I could just finish this up, you know, some other time after I finish Persona 5. No, no, I played them simultaneously. I do not recommend that. I really don't. Uh... -uh. (laughs) Yeah, I was like finishing the compendium and prepping for the Margaret fight as I was like getting through, you know, the Persona 5 tutorial and the intro dungeon. Just just stupid. And then whenever Persona 5 Royal was coming out, I was like, okay, well, let me compare. Let me compare the games. So let me get the platinum for Persona 5 before Persona 5 Royal comes out. Let me do that. And so I did and like it was the same thing like and then I didn't play Royal for a long time because I was like well I just played Persona 5 so let me wait on Royal like what is what is wrong with me and so I've done it again and like because in my head I'm like well there's no way I'm going to go back to the other game there's no way I'm going to go back to Persona 4 Golden so I have to I have to like 100% it I have to definitively put it away get the platinum say that I did everything. It's a personal achievement of mine, right? But then they released Persona 4 on Steam. And of course I played it again. Of course I did. I have a disease. I have brain worms. I'm a pay pig for Atlas. And it's the same thing now. Persona 3 Reload's going to come out. I'm like, well, I'm never going to want to go back to Portable. It's like, what am I talking about? Why not? Reload doesn't have the female protagonist yet. So why wouldn't I go back to Portable? What's stopping me? But yeah, so that's so that's what I'm doing. Uh, I haven't finished. I haven't finished yet. So I have to. I have to finish the game. I'm at the end. I'm in. I'm in January. If anybody knows the game, I'm in January, which is the last month of the game. And it's weird. Like <laughs> I'm like I'm almost matched up with the real fucking calendar in real life to this friggin' game. I'm in January, just counting down the days. So I I got to finish the game. I need to max out all the social links for that or... Tro- er, Achievement Trophy, wherever the fuck it is. Finish most of the requests because I wasn't sure if I needed to do all the requests. Turns out you need to do most of them because you need some of them for social links and then you need some of them for uh, certain fusion recipes. So you need to do that. I need to get all the characters to level 99 for vision quests in order to uh, fight Margaret. I need to farm three like ultimate weapons and I need to farm best in slot armor and accessories for four characters and then i need to fight elizabeth and then i need to finish the compendium in like three days so it's like why 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 do this why set this deadline and then start it so late and i just played this game last year so that was the good thing that was the good thing about doing this is that like i could skip the story basically because i didn't need a refresher because i just played this game last year because atlas ported this game just last year Making everybody think that they weren't going to remake make three, and then a few months later, announce that they're remaking three. Oh, okay, cool. Confuse everybody. <laughs> confuse everybody. Uh, confuse everybody with what is and isn't in Reload. Not include the answer. Two years from now, release Persona 3 Reload Maximum or whatever they're going to call it. Include the answer. Maybe include the female protagonist. And you know I'm going to buy it. You know I'm going to buy it again. And then the same song and dance. The same goddamn song and dance is going to happen. Unless the achievements for Reload are as easy as Royal, which are stupid easy and you can get it one playthrough, I'm going to do the same damn thing again. It's like, how many times do you have to teach this old man this lesson? I don't know. I do not recommend anybody do this. I really don't. (laughs) It is not good for your sanity. And if you're going to do it, give yourself enough time and don't give yourself a goddamn deadline. And if you do use mods, Jesus Christ, use mods. If I didn't mod Persona three portable, oh my God, would this be pain in the ass? I had to mod in manual skill inheritance for fusion. Oh my God. That does bother me that they didn't patch that in. They patched it in for SMT Nocturne. Why wouldn't they just put it in for portable? A modder did it in day one. All that said, I am very excited. I get to play what is basically a new Persona game, even though it's a Persona game I know very well. (laughs) I know very well at this point. (laughs) Uh, I've been trying to keep myself as um, removed from like all the changes that they're making as I can, like so I could be as fresh as possible. But I am very interested to see what is different because I've seen I've seen a little bit. I've seen more than I'd like to, but I'm I'm very excited to talk about it as well so um join me soon for that because i will have so much to say i will have so much to say about reload holy shit and now for our last segment of the episode uh it's time for the latest and greatest olympus news bullshit He's out there, I can feel him. He's out there, I know he is. Fred Durst is out there, I can tell. There's something in the air. Um, <laughs> so you might be wondering why why devote uh, a good portion of your show's branding to uh, a combination of you know Final Fantasy and Limp Biscuit, <laughs> or you might not. But if you are, I have an i uh, ironic appreciation for Limp Biscuit. I think they're very funny, and uh, I I just appreciate how genuine they are in their um in their like over the topness, I guess. And they've been sort of having a renaissance in, in the past few years. And I was already sort of like in my on like in my ironic appreciation of them whenever uh the jack final fantasy limp biscuit meme came out i was like holy shit this is just marrying two two ridiculous obsessions that i have and that sort of spawned the the joke that i keep just burying into the ground or the dead horse that i just keep whacking away at so that's sort of the whole (laughs) that's the whole snowball effect of this whole (laughs) fucking thing But yeah, no, this is Biscuit Bites. This is going to be the part of the show where I talk about all the Limp Biscuit news uh, whenever it becomes relevant, which is more often than you would think. (laughs) They pop up when you least expect them. So uh, at the end of uh, last year, uh, Limp Biscuit played a bunch of shows with one of my current musical obsessions, Hannah B.A., who I stumbled on. mostly because i i got into like j metal just in the last couple years through baby metal like y- years wait years late years late um and so i i found hannah BA through that and i've been listening to them pretty much nonstop for like the last year and um so yeah they, they played a bunch of shows with uh <laughs> limp biscuit and uh, they played a festival in Australia. They played uh, Australia's Good Things Festival and Limp Biscuit ended their set by playing Break Stuff with Yukina from Hannah B.A. And uh, I'll play a little bit and hopefully not get copyright claimed. But, uh, it, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did today would probably get claimed. So uh, let's see. get the idea uh <laughs> fred durst is i don't know what he's doing he has some kind of like gray old old man wig on like it's like this big shaggy wig and then he's got like painter's coveralls on i don't know what he's yeah it's always it's always something with him now uh yeah there's a there's a whole durst and limp Bizkit renaissance i'm here for it And I will be uh, charting their moves with great interest. (laughs) You can can find out more here. Only on Did It All for the Moogle. Um, That's all I got for this first episode. (laughs) Uh, I hope anybody enjoyed some part of this. Uh, It might have been a little messy, but who knows. Uh, So thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. (laughs) If you like this sort of analysis, uh, check out the main show, The Den and Road Show. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, you do YouTube search for Denon Road, and it'll find uh, you'll it'll get you there. It'll it'll do it. And uh, you can also find this show over on YouTube on the same channel because I'm not making a separate channel. I'm too lazy for that. Uh, And you can also find this show wherever you get your podcasts as well. And if it's not on a platform that you would like it to be on, please let me know. You can email podcast at denonroad.media, and I will put it exactly wherever you want it. Uh, but it should be on all the major uh, podcasting platforms. Uh, and if you want to download it to your specific player with the RSS feed, you can go to dinner.media and you can find all the links nice and easy up on the website. Um, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, you can also let me know podcast at Media. If you have any uh, comments about uh, current state of final fantasy 14 or you're also excited for Persona 3 Reload, I'd love to hear about it. So also hit up the email with literally anything, <laughs> literally anything, I don't care. Or maybe your thoughts on uh, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth coming out soon as well. And uh, like I said, I'll try to do an episode monthly. Uh, the next episode will most likely be Persona 3 Reload focused is what I'm thinking, because that comes out in a few days. And so I would really like to sink my teeth into that and then give some impressions. I probably won't finish that game. I don't like to rush through games in general, but especially a Persona game. So, yeah, I'll probably be back with some impressions on Persona 3 Reload the next time. But uh, yeah, until then, thank you for checking this out. Really do appreciate it. (laughs) We'll see you in the next one.